I remember being a young bishop and having a member of my ward tell me they don't believe as they used to, and they have begun to question their faith. The hardest part of these scenarios was that it felt like they were looking to me for answers, when in reality, they were coming to me looking for support and hope. These leadership scenarios can quickly remind you how unprepared you might be to minister to individuals or loved ones in your life who've begun to question their faith. This is why Leading Saints created the Questioning Saints Library, where we interviewed over 20 experts with the intent to better understand how we can help individuals who are starting to question their faith. For all the details on how you can access the Questioning Saints Library, text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org slash questioning. Again, text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org slash questioning. Hiya, folks. This is Kurt Frangham with the Leading Saints Podcast. I welcome you back to another episode. And if you're brand new, we'd like to have you stand up, introduce yourself. But let me first introduce you to this podcast. Uh, Leading Saints is a nonprofit 501c3 organization where our mission is to help Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And a big way that we do that is through this podcast, where we interview fantastic, interesting people and leadership principles and apply them in the world of Latter-day Saint leadership. And it's so fun. We've had uh, probably at this point, we're approaching three and a half million total downloads, tons of episodes. I've lost count. It's just awesome. And so I hope you peruse the archives and find a handful of episodes that you can apply in your life. I still get emails from people telling me they go all the way back to the beginning of the podcast. Um, and binge listen to these episodes. And every time I get one of those emails, I think, oh, I really got to go back and clean that out because <laughs> there's, there's some gems back there. I was actually thinking the other day, I did a podcast on uh, Snapchat at one point in the history of leading. It's like there's such random things we were trying and doing. And so, yeah, enjoy those. I don't necessarily, as we all do, we all evolve and we get different perspectives. And But hey, we're just trying to put out a, a weekly podcast that's going to help you in your Latter-day Saint journey like this one. Folks, we did it. I had the opportunity to track down Dave Butler from Don't Miss This, the YouTube channel that many of you are familiar with. It's uh, one of these uh, Come Follow Me YouTube channels where every week they put out a video discussing some of the concepts in that week's Come Follow Me lesson. Dave Butler's been in the CES program uh, and teaching. He currently teaches at Utah Valley University Institute of Religion and is such a phenomenal teacher. And obviously, I don't need to say that to those who have seen David B Butler in action. And he is uh, and so real and fun, and uh, which doesn't won't surprise you in this episode where we just talk real and and it's a fun discussion and he's funny and it's but it, but he's so sincere and uh, he's had a, an opportunity to serve as a bishop and so this is an interview a, a conversation with Dave Butler, Butler that you probably won't find anywhere else uh, because we delve into his journey as being a bishop and how he approached uh, the the different concerns with a ward council and sacrament meeting and and how he developed vision and purpose. And, and some of his tips are so helpful. You're going to love it. And then we just jump into his teaching style where he always teaches in the context of grace and how you do that. Um, books he's written, Come Follow Me, uh, how we should see Come Follow Me, and, and what do we do if we start to beat ourselves up about uh, failing at Come Follow Me. And so 
why, or why we should call it a resource and not a program. Like so many pearls of wisdom here. You're going to love it. So here's my interview with Dave Butler, the host, co-host, I should say, with Emily Bell Freeman of Don't Miss This. Here I am on the campus of UVU. I guess we're not we're in the Institute building, the Utah Valley University Institute building with Dave Butler. How are you, Dave? Very good. Thank awesome. you. No, I went here uh, when it was UVSC. I oh, a, really? Yeah, I have a two-year degree, so I've walked these halls and attended classes here, and <laughs> and uh, it's, it's kind of cool to be back. So. You are at home. That's Welcome right. Welcome home. Thank you. That's Thank you. Right. So how That's long have motto. you been here? Um, this uh, Three years, I think. Um, yeah, someone just asked me yesterday and so I was trying to figure it out and then I got <laughs> bored trying to figure it out. So, but about three years uh-huh. nice. yeah, and so teaching here. What's your journey into CES? I mean, did you, were you the return missionaries? Like there's nothing else I must do in this world, oh, but teach the gospel. Maybe opposite. I mean, I, I like, wait, not opposite because I really came home and I liked teaching the gospel yeah, and sure. Um, I, I taught at the MTC and loved teaching at the MTC. Mm-hmm. Like it was kind of my first teaching experience ever was teaching at the MTC. And I, I would, like if they called me tomorrow and said, do you want to come back and teach for seven fifty an hour? I would just, I would not even pray about it. I would do it. I would just go because I loved it so much. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, it honestly, like it was golden to yeah. me. Um, this is pretty golden here too. In yeah. fact, like, um, at the UVU sort of an extension is, of the MTC in some ways, it right? feels like it. It yeah. just is, it's, it's super great. So anyways, I actually had, I have like a distinct memory from high school sitting in economics class and maybe it's cause it was economics and just sitting there and like drifting off, which was a normal thing for me and thinking to myself, why would anybody be a teacher? What a dumb idea. <laughs> you know, I legit, yeah. like I was like, I, and I made a vow to myself, no matter what, I will never, ever be a teacher. You know? Yeah, it's kind famous of what, last like, words, right? Yeah. I, I legit was like, I'm not ever, ever going to do it. And then I was in college and had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Still don't, for the record. Like, I still am like, kind of consider this like a temporary thing. Uh, this you is know, fun. This is so now, you'll do yeah, this, this a while. Now, right? Yeah, this is now like an 11 year or whatever, 12 year temporary thing. Um you know, which isn't that long, you know, but I, uh, I, I was in college and met up with a buddy of mine. We went out to lunch and we were going to start a dental lab together. Ooh. Just because. Like not, you didn't want to become a dentist. No, no. My or, dad's a dentist. So okay, for some gotcha. reason I felt like I was an expert in that field <laughs> and it felt like, oh, we can make a dental lab and it was going to be good money and like a great part-time job, maybe turn into something afterwards or. And so we were meeting to kind of talk about details. And he, he, had, I said, what are, what, what classes are you taking? This semester is about to start at BYU. And I, and he'd said, I'm going to take this one called teaching the gospel. And I was like, oh, well, I needed a religion credit. And I was like, I, that would be cool. Like I should take it with you because that'd be fun. Number one, to take a class together. That's how all my class decisions went, by the way. Like they had <laughs> nothing, in the class, exactly. Right? <laughs> they had nothing to do with <laughs> like my, what, like what I needed or whatever. It was purely like, Oh, I'll take it with a friend. Um, and I didn't know that it was like what's called pre-service, like this class to kind of help find people who are interested in teaching seminary and institute. And it's not only that, it's also like legit for people who like want to learn how to be a better teacher. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I feel like I'm going to teach my whole life, you know, at home, in church, yeah. wherever. So I might as well It'd be great. And I went in and they started talking about seminaries and, and I was like, 
what in the world is going on? I didn't even know that seminary was a like uh-huh. a thing. Because you're from Texas, and they yeah, had yeah. early morning seminary. Was yeah, your, yeah. Was your, and so yeah. I didn't know that like, and then and then like we had an assignment to go watch a seminary class, and I went to one, and I was like. Then for the first time, I put two and two together, why there were all these mini churches in Utah. <laughs> like I always right saw by these. high school. Right. And I never had put it together. They were by high schools. I have zero sense of direction. You should know. <laughs> so like I will drive on a road I have driven on 98 times and it is a new experience for me, which makes my life really fun. Probably a good thing in some ways. But yeah. yeah. It's, I actually live a really fun life because I will drive on this road and be like, well, cool road. And Jenny's like. This is how we come home every week. And I'm like, oh, well, it looks different today. Yeah. But um, so I put it all together and I went in and I was like, wait, this is like a church, it's like a little church. And I was so fascinated and still no interest really in, uh-huh. in teaching. Although I should say this, I also put together when I was in that class, that there was this poster on campus at BYU that said something about, do you, ha- you want to teach youth? And every time I saw that poster... Like I was drawn to it, uh-huh. like legit, like more than just like, oh, what a, I mean, it was a dumpy looking poster, like bad marketing, <laughs> you know, like it just wasn't cool or anything, but I like had like a, like a spiritual draw to it. And wow. so, um, anyways, so little by little you were yeah, pulled yeah. into this, right? And it's so funny that I looked back years later, it's like, I, I really think I was drawn to that, you yeah. know, whether, I don't know whether it was heaven drawing me to it or just a, a personal interest or I don't, yeah. I don't know, but I, there was some sort of draw to it. And anyways, took the class and then I moved to Hawaii naturally um, to go to school. Okay, right. Okay. And so I just kind of left that behind. And, uh-huh. and when we moved back, we moved back mostly because Jenny was about to have a baby and we thought, what are we doing? Like, can we, are we going to live here forever? Or what, what? Anyways. And part of that decision was I'm still sort of intrigued by what could be, you mm. know, in that world. And yeah, so yeah. so anyways, there you go. I So I kind of fell into it. So there wasn't like a moment where you thought, all right, now I, I promised myself I'll be a teacher. No, but never. Just little by little, suddenly this is the direction you're Yeah, going. and I still, I still like at least once a year. I have a running like voice in the back of my head that's always just a battle, I guess. It's just kind of like, I don't, I don't think I want to do this forever. I'm too like bored of things too fast, you know, where I'm just like, what, what else should I do? Where else should I go? And I have too much of like an entrepreneurial spirit where I'm like, I want to build something and I want to like grow it, you know? And, but then I also love, like, I love being in the classroom and I love one-on-ones with people. And I love like the connections and relationships I've made in, in this world, you know, I don't think I was like, put together to work for anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's probably why like I don't love like I don't love administrative things at all. I don't love meetings. I love them zero. <laughs> I I and so all of that part of this world can like grind on me. But then I'll get back into the classroom and have that experience and then I think it's all worth it. And then I think, "Oh, I love this." Yeah. So somehow if I can find a way to do that without all the meetings and the schedules and the, you know, then I, then it would be great. Yeah. Yeah. I did. So I fell into it. Don't know how long I'll do it, but for sure. I know I want to teach people about Jesus my whole life. And in some way, whether it's a formal classroom or not. Right. And I, and I love people. I love people's stories. I love people 
they're my passion. So that's awesome. So this place teaching in this kind of place is like, I mean, I've had a chance to leave several times and nothing's been better. I mean, yeah. more money, better schedule. Sure. All those, but I'm like, if, if, if man, I just love people and Jesus too much that this place fits me in that regard. Yeah. Um, sometimes I don't feel like I fit in, in this world. You know, the seminary institute world, I've always felt like a square peg here that um, I just think a little differently and I can tell and uh, um, it's a little bit too formal for Mm -hmm. my personality. Uh It's all been fine, mostly because I love everybody I worked with and all the students, The you know. Yeah. I mean, some of the people I've taught are still like, they're like my dear friends. Like, they'll be lifelong friends. Right. And and so it's just been fantastic. So let's talk about that more because I'm, I'm curious because I know there are people, certain people that maybe called to a leadership position and they think, oof, like I, I get that I was called and I'm happy to serve, but I just don't fit this mold. Like maybe articulate that further. What do you mean by that? I mean, is it, you, you don't, you don't love the white shirt and tie daily or I mean, of course not. That's the easiest. <laughs> and he is in his uh, gym clothes right yeah. now for the record. So. <laughs> Listen, I meant to get here early to work out before the podcast and then the schedule cool. didn't yeah, work out. But I mean, um, how would you articulate that more that people could maybe relate to? I mean, what, uh, Without well, getting yourself in trouble. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't, I don't, no, I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's a secret, or and I don't think there's anything wrong with it either. I mean, look, a business gets to decide what their brand is going to be, you know. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, this is our business, and someone's decided what the brand is going to be. And like, and if you don't want to be that brand, then that's the business's decision, right? Yeah. So it's not like I'm in no position to like start a revolution or like or anything <laughs> like that. I will. I do like to push boundaries a little bit and say, like, wait, why are we doing this? Uh-huh. And why? Are, and not to be contrary. Yeah. Legitimately, because like, you know, I was texting with Jenny the other day and she just said, do you think you were just born that way to, to like that you question everything and that you wonder? Like, and she says, I just have always just like done what people told me to do. Yeah. And, and that's her personality. And I just and I was like, oh, well, I probably. I mean, because I don't like wake up in the morning and think, what can I question? You know, what can I like push against? Uh uh I legitimately like am like, wait, why are we doing this? Yeah. Um, When I was serving as as bishop, don't let me get away from whatever your question was. I have to remind me what it is in a second. When I was serving as bishop, like there were several times where I was like, like I would look at sacrament meeting and I would think, why? How come? How come we do the sacrament first? And why are, why does a man always speak last? Mm -hmm. And why do we like have song talks, you know? And I was like, is that a rule? Can we change that? Like, Uh it just doesn't seem, you know? And so like, and, and why do we have, you know, and, and, you know, the young women would come like, we need a camp director. And I was like, why do you need a camp director? Does camp have to be five days? Is that a rule? Like, or, you know, like the scouts, like Jenny served in Cub Scouts and nursery at the same time because nobody else would take the calling. (laughs) And you were the bishop? Yeah, she was like, I'll just do it. She was like, I'll just do it. And then she loved nursery, (laughs) by the way, but she hated Cub Scouts. And I was like, I don't think you have to meet every week. If it's burnout for you, then give homework to the kids for like the second week of the month. Hmm. And then the fourth one can be the pack whatever and then i was like you don't have to do it how everybody's always done it yeah. like find the best way sometimes i dream of like 
and maybe it can happen post corona. I dream of like. Does that world exist, really? Please tell me it exists. <laughs> oh, please tell me, or I will die. <laughs> I, um, I'm like, what if a ward scrapped everything? You know, all yeah. programs, and you walked in and looked at people first and said, "What do the people actually need?" And then start bringing in programs that match the needs instead of getting called as a young women's president and saying, what's a young women's president supposed to do? Give me my like, what are all the things? Oh, well, you're supposed to do camp once a year and you're supposed to, and you're supposed to, and they actually might look identical, right? You know, it might end up looking because if I like, if I did that and walked in and said, okay, what do our people need? Um, Well, what we would want something for, um, to study the scriptures together as a community. And I think, and then we would invent Sunday school uh-huh, and we're right. like, okay, and then we, we would probably need something for the kids. <laughs> right. And then we would invent primary, you know, which is what yeah. happened initially. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. That's where all these came from. Yeah. It didn't come but, from the prophet. It came from sort of like, grassroots. Oh, yeah. The need, yeah. what was yeah, the, the need? need yeah. And it was just like, and then, and then someone asked the question, but now like it's all set up and it's kind of like, instead we're so program centered instead of people centered. Uh-huh. And I don't think we have to scrap everything, but I think we ought to scrap mindset and and start with thinking like, if I got called as a young woman's president, I don't know why I keep using that. I will never be a young woman's president, everybody. <laughs> you know, but, you know, I just, I would want to go in and say, okay, here are the girls. Yeah. And here are the other leaders. And, and what do, what do we, what do they need? Right. What can we create? You know, yeah. for them, and there's so many re- reasons uh, that th- these this is perpetuated. But you know, you may be called as a young women's president, and not you, but others. But uh, and you sort of feel like, well, what was the last person doing? And that must worked. That must have worked. So let's keep doing that, right? Right. And so we just sort of do, it. and or I don't want to change it and hurt her feelings or his feelings because obviously you had something going there. Um, but I remember when I got called into the state presidency, we you know we're starting the the uh, ward conferences. And we had seen, you know, I'd been a bishop before that. We'd seen how the stake did ward conferences. And we just took a moment as a state presidency said, let's imagine we know nothing about ward conferences. Mm-hmm. And somebody hands us a handbook and says, you know, there's a few paragraphs Here's in there. Here's your like, yeah. whatever your purposes. And, and yeah. so me and the other counselor, we went in a room for a couple hours. We just said, we know nothing. And what does it say? And we, we just wrote down what it said, and then we said, now let's create something remarkable following these guidelines. Right. And we went in a completely different direction as the old state presidency, and it was remarkable, right? But it, I think it's especially from a leadership standpoint, it's just that exercise of saying, okay, let's imagine you've never heard of girls' camp before. Yeah. What, what do we do? What, what does the handbook say? And then what do the girls really need? Yeah. You know, do we have to go to a, a campground or all these things, right? Yeah, and I really think the power comes in, like, beginning with people and purposes and— I think that's what the exercise is. It's not like an exercise of like, let's be different for the sake of being different because my type of personality could easily fall into that where it's like, you're just, you know, and I, and I can see where somebody, and I feel like I have to check myself all the time. Like, Mm. have have I now brand, like, have have I now like given myself this new identity of the guy who does things differently? And, (laughs) And I really don't, I honestly do not think of myself that way. And I don't mean to be, contrary and I don't want people to think that I am but I learned somewhere along the road that there isn't a mold you know and once I feel like I gave that up Mm -hmm. any like last thought of like this is there are ways that things should be done and and stuff I, I just I mean there's things I feel like are just really loose that we don't necessarily hold loosely 
And there are things that I think are really important and we should hold those, like those should be the shoulds and, and figuring out what that is, I think is important for a person. So going back to your time as, as Bishop, like, was it just any ways, any other ways this, this personality trait or this perspective was manifest other than maybe just asking questions and more often, or how else to, did this manifest itself as in your role as Bishop? Well, and what do you mean? What, what are like you Like as far as like, um, as pushing, like, is pushing against sort of that culture that sometimes is established that we, the, you know, we it's often termed the unwritten order of things, which like the men speaking or praying at the end of the meeting, like that's the unwritten order of things. When in reality, it's like, actually, I didn't even understand yeah. that phrase. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's, it's one thing that gets thrown around. So is right. there anything else you did to sort of just keep, stay fresh and making sure that you're really focusing on people rather than programs? Um, I, well, I think, um, one of the things that I, um, looked for my ward council, like serving with my ward council is at that time as Bishop is one of the sweetest experiences of my whole life. Mm. Um, I didn't want to be Bishop. I didn't want to be in charge. That's not my personality to be the in charge person. Uh You know, like I just, I want to be the idea generator and like the, um, the teacher every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, and I just, I did the thing I hated most about being Bishop was just like, Everybody wanted to ask me about all the things, you know, like how many cups should we buy? And I was like, I don't, I don't want to be in charge of everything. And then I, I want to show up to the Christmas party and like it and not be in charge of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And so all the things that I was in charge of, I remember first getting called. I'm going to get to your question. I promise. Yeah, you're good. And like reading through the handbook uh-huh. and I was like, I'm in charge of everything. <laughs> And then my daughter passed by. She's like, well, you are the bishop. <laughs> I was like, well, this shouldn't, I shouldn't be in charge of all this. Right. Anyways, I didn't like being in charge of everything. But serving with that ward council, one of the things that I looked for when I called somebody to the ward council, I mean, before I, because, you know, when, when extending callings, you know, I always started with just like, I'm just looking and asking and thinking and stuff like that. And then I would be prayerful about it. But um one of the questions I would ask is, does this person have um, a missionary heart? Uh, meaning, are they a people-centered person? Mm-hmm. You know, because I was like, that's that's who I want in, you know, serving together on this. Um, I called ourselves the worship team. The worship team? Yeah, yes. I was like, you guys. <laughs> and one of the things that we did is I just said, listen, one of the things that I loved with our word council is we t- we got together as a ward council right as um, we were being trained on sacrament meeting in the Sabbath day. Do you remember that? Uh-huh. Like, yeah, however yeah. it was a big years. push, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was, like, struck. I remember President Nelson, um, before he's President Nelson, like, just pleading, let's give sacrament meeting back to the Savior. And looking at it, when they said, the question that the Quorum of the Twelve and First Presidency went to the Lord with was, how do we increase faith in God and the Savior? And I was like, that's where we have to start because that is what's going on here. It's not, let's do Sabbath day stuff and let's do something with sacrament meeting. It was, what was the actual question? Mm-hmm. The question was, how do we increase faith in God the Father and the Son? So we took that and and then we just said, Let's let's make sacrament meeting a meeting where people leave with a more 
thrilling feel for God the Father and the Son and like with greater faith in them and trust in them and just loving them and feeling loved more. Like that's our like, that's our purpose and our intention. Yeah. And I called them the worship team because I was like, listen, in every other church, um, <laughs> they got a worship team, right? Yeah. yeah. And you have to create an experience for people that they're going to come back to. Yeah. It's people centered. It's yeah. like, let's create something for the people. Or they or can go down the street and find a better church that exactly. does that. Yeah. Where we're sort of like, no, actually you live on this street. So you go to this right. church. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. you have to come to this church. And I was like, and sometimes you're like, if you don't come to sacrament meeting, then you don't get a temple recommend and you're supposed to come to sacrament meeting. So I guess suck we're it not, up. Yeah. if it's, if it's dumb or bad, then right. you have to deal with it. And it's like, what if we shifted our thinking and like, let's actually create a meaningful experience like our jobs depend on it. Let's right. pretend like our jobs depend on it here. And I'm not saying that that's the approach that other faiths take. I right. legitimately like believe and feel and, and have seen that they take the approach of we got to give our people an experience with God. Yeah. So, so let's do it. You so know? I want to take just a quick time out and just illustrate what you're talking about because uh, or, or highlight it. Because oftentimes I talk about the importance of, or other people I interview talk about the importance of establishing a strong vision in a ward. And people are like, well, I mean, what does that look like? I mean, we just make sure the doors are unlocked and sacraments <laughs> pass and we go home, right? But this is a perfect example of what a strong vision looks like, that we're going to focus on this question and sacrament is going to be everything. We're the worship team, right? I mean, even the simple tactic of labeling your ward council as a team of some type, worship or what, pick whatever name, like... That's different. That, that brings a different feel, and, and people lean in in those meetings when that happens. Yeah, so. because right, we did the same thing with home teaching and visiting teaching, uh -huh. where we sat together. Um, we honestly worked on sacrament meeting the whole time that I was bishop. Hmm. We kept coming back to it. We honestly that. kept coming back to it, and I was like, you guys... We have got to like end every sacrament meeting and feel like, do people love God more yeah. after that meeting? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And do they feel loved by him more? And if not, like, what do we do? Yeah. We're missing it. Let's change it. And that we worked on so many things, so many things through that. Um, so, yeah. So what did you do? I'm just curious. So what, what did that lead oh, to? What ideas? It, it, just, it led, one of the things that we did uh, that I thought ended up so... So personally significant um, was we divided up the ward into groups of 15 to 20 and assigned for the rest of the year. I can't remember what month we started out the rest of the year, the second and third hour of church. Like we gave them a date. This is your date that you're coming. And we gathered around the sacrament table and we taught for the second and third hour of church, that group. So they came out of whatever classes they were in and we made arrangements. So, so this is during three, three hour church, right? Yeah, so it was that, back okay. in those days. Yeah, right. And, and for two hours, we talked about uh, what we called the story of the lamb. And we went from Adam and Eve in Genesis and asking, how do we get back? And the sacrifice of the lamb being introduced all the way through the last supper. And we told the story of Jesus and how wow. that story is retold every single week in the sacrament. Um, that it is this long, these, this is the story being retold. It's the redemption story being retold every single week so that we re, like we root ourselves in it. 
and it was like we had just beautiful and our ward council divided up and we taught together and 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 we used some of like the the training clips and and we yeah. just like we just said like let's teach everybody the significance of the sacrament and how it can be this instrument of worship and how it can connect us to God in a really significant way so we began with like this really will be the highlight of the meeting and not just like kind of we'll like pause do, now. yeah do yeah. the sacrament real quick and then get to the speakers <laughs> yeah and that's why everybody's here is right. to hear somebody speak you know yeah. it's like let's real so we really like we it took us like eight months to get through the whole ward really and we did it with the primary and primary teachers and we gave people permission like i mean made arrangements permission that sounded like we were like the czar or something <laughs> um we made arrangements so that if a family wanted to come in with their kids mm. like and, just the family and alone the family in, the, in the chapel and talk wow. about the sacrament like on a like on a thursday night to like help their kids realize like okay so that's why we are you know gonna come a little bit early that's why we're you know mm -hmm. just to like yeah, and it makes an impression on those young minds. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. this is why we're saying, like, you know, anyways, to teach that. And then, yeah, I that was just, and then and then we took, like, the actual, like, program itself, you know? Like, and we just said, okay, so, okay, how do we, what do we want people to speak on? And we started, like, we changed, like, what we spoke on. So we would do these, like, series almost, where it was like, okay, um, we took the names of Christ, and we brought people in who were going to speak like a month ahead of time. And we're just like, we want you to pick one of the names of Christ in the scriptures and tell us like what you learned about that name in the scriptures, but then specifically how you've seen him as the shepherd or the advocate in your own story. Mm -hmm. You know, and then we did the book of John and like we gave someone just a chapter of the book of John. And we moved through the whole book of John and we we're just like, what do you find and learn and feel about? the savior in this chapter. Wow. Like, and we just, so we shifted like what we were speaking on and, and we gave people a new focus on speaking. Like we would really bring them in and like talk to them about it's like, like an orientation type yeah, of meeting. I was like, like, this is our purpose with the sacrament meeting. This is what we're going for. And your contribution is what's going to make it so holy because wow. of the time that you'll put in. And like your experience is what we want to hear. Like your personal journey and, and relationship. Like don't give us a book report on a conference talk. Like and we specifically <laughs> this, this tried happens. to push back on that to just be like, yeah. And and it can be raw and it can be messy. And that it will actually is what's gonna make it spectacular. Yeah. And so so we pushed on topics and like then the order of things. Like we actually put a musical number in, at the beginning of the meeting. Yeah, I, I then, call that a general conference style. Yeah. Like I'd say, <laughs> yeah, we're going to yeah. do this general conference style, and <laughs> people are just going to be sitting there chatting, and then all of a sudden this choir starts or yeah. this solo begins. It's awesome. Yeah, it's and then powerful. we started like doing a mini talk before the sacrament about the sacrament. Because huh. I always thought to myself, like, you come into sacrament meeting, and, and you've got four kids, and you just got done like yelling at them, because they couldn't find their shoes for heaven's sake. Like our house is not that big <laughs> and we are just a hot mess in the pew. So mad. And then all of a sudden it's just like, 
okay, well now here's some water. This, yeah, Here, we'll take start the, the sacrament ham, and it's like nobody got a chance to got to get warmed up yeah. to like what was about to happen. So I was like, let's give people a chance to like warm up to it. Mm-hmm. You know, let's like open whatever the sacrament hymn's gonna be. Let's open it up and like teach what the lines are actually teaching. Wow. So that like people are thinking like as they like, anyways, those are all just ideas. But the point was that like, we just started with what is this meeting actually for? Like, what are we trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. You know? And we legitimately just felt really strongly about, I want this to be a meeting where people like learn to love God more and, and feel connected to the father and the son in significant ways. So mm-hmm. what do we do yeah. to make that happen? And then all these just, yeah. And other ideas that weren't as good or didn't work, you know, <laughs> the but concession stands didn't yeah, really that fly. Didn't, I mean, that, that didn't <laughs> work out as well. You know, it just was a mess. And like we had to buy vacuums and didn't have the budget. And, but, um, anyways, so nice. So with the, with the speaker, uh, method, I mean, with like how high council speakers or stake speakers, did you just sort of roll them into that, that, routine and process? Well, I I actually just went to the state president and I just said, what is the purpose of the high council speaker? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. You, you can't know? ask that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are they coming with um, what your message? Is that what your intention is? And, and I had two different state presidents, both good friends of mine. And I just was like, um, this is what we're trying to do in our, in, in our ward. This is what we're trying to do. And so that's what, that's what we did. So like with sometimes like they really came with like, this is, this is like kind of state president felt impressed that he wants this message given to the ward. And it was like, perfect. So it kind of was just like a pause from the book of John, Yeah, you know? And, and sometimes I'd ask, do you want the high council speaker to come? Uh-huh. Because like, Cause we're good. If not, yeah, like, if you don't no insist pressure. on them coming, we have people that we, uh-huh. You know, and if they did, if they wanted like stake representation there or whatever, then we would give that high council person like our yeah. topic. Yeah. And, and that this is another point I need to pause and underscore because that relationship between the bishop and the stake presidency, like I remember going from bishop to the stake presidency and you sort of feel like, okay, now I'm like a super bishop and I create super programs and I do super <laughs> interviews with people. And, but what we, when we get in that mode, you overshadow the keys of the bishop and their autonomy and whatnot. And so having some of these discussions where you go to the stake presidency and say, okay, why are you doing this? Like really sell me on this because I've, I've got a great program going here. Or I've got this idea. <laughs> so if you want to do this, great, but you need to explain to me why this right, happened yeah. and really sort of push them on some of those things, you know, obviously in a friendly, respectful manner, but uh, yeah, yeah. you're, you're going to discover further uh, effectiveness in some of these, these things we do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I, yeah. I, Thought that was great to do that, you know, and it's just like, oh, okay, I don't, I'm not trying to, yeah, get out of line right. or whatever. If that's, if <laughs> yeah. that's because a, a lot of the state presidents, organization, a lot of state presidents can see like the high council week is like, oh, we're sort of helping you out. Hey, here's a speaker. You know, you don't got to worry about a speaker that week. Like, oh, good, all right, because I'm really not sure yeah. people are saying no or whatever, right? So. Yeah, and I did not think they needed to come for that reason. Like, right. I, I, my thought was that you do not need to come to give me a break. Right. Our preference would be for our word to hear from our people. Uh-huh. You know, that's like my, that's, that would be my preference. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what I went in with, mm-hmm. but I also like appreciate and understand that a stake president's vision and a stake president's like 
kind of impressions as they put their kind of hand on the pulse of the entire stake in mm-hmm. area. I do not have, like, I don't have that. And sometimes it's awesome to get somebody outside of our neighborhood, you know, who can come in and give their like thoughts and impressions on, I think it's good for people to see like, Oh, you know, because really in an, to divide up a ward by neighborhood means that you have very, very little like diversity Right. Because like similar income status, similar like draw, you Uh know, like all these people like wanted to be close to a freeway and all these people like could afford this neighborhood and all these people liked the parks or so sometimes within a stake, you could get a little bit more and it's it's nice. And Utah's maybe harder (laughs) because the whole neighborhood's a stake. Exactly. Exactly. So um, there's so much benefit to it. I just wanted to ask again, we ended up doing the same thing, but it was nice to like. What's the purpose of this, you know? Yeah. And, like, it just gave it a little bit more punch and power to, like, begin with, like, in someone's individual worship, if they take this approach, what am I supposed to do as a member of this church? Well, I'm supposed to pray every day, and I'm supposed to, and I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to, right, and do that. And what if they did it in their own individual worship? They scrapped it, and they said, started with, I want to make a connection with God every day. Mm-hmm. You know, what could I do? I bet the list would look the same. Mm. They would say, I want to open his words and I want to spend time in prayer. And but because you started with that question first, how do I make a connection? Then all of those that list all of a sudden becomes super way more meaningful mm-hmm. than like, oh, I'm supposed to do it to, you know, fit the mold instead of like, I actually like. I started at square one and I said, okay, like, how do I show devotion to God? Because I want to, I want to show my love and devotion to him. He has won me over. He loved me. So I want to love him back. Like I want to, so I will contribute my, I'll give my heart to him and I'll contribute my money and my time to him because I, I want to, like I, I feel passionate about his kingdom and you know, yeah. different than someone saying like, Oh, we do this as a church, right? You know, we pay tithing and we serve and we, you know, uh-huh. it's like just turn, start yeah. over, you know? Yeah. And, and sometimes it's difficult for leaders to get in that mindset because I think there's, there is a large emphasis on the law of obedience. And you feel like if I'm stepping out of bounds or out of the box here, I feel like I'm sort of the rogue here, even though yeah, nobody can point to the handbook that I'm supposed to do this way, but man, I don't want to be, I don't want to, uh, you know, cause a red flag where I'm stepping out of line because I just want to be a good boy, you know, and yeah, do, do yeah. what's right, you know. Which actually is, I had lunch with a friend of mine a mm, couple months ago, and uh, he was talking about his experience as a missionary, and he and I have super different personalities, um, and also the same. So it's kind of yeah. fun, but we see things, and one of them is like obedience was one of the topics that we talked about, and he just talked about as a missionary how he was like no i was in my house at nine o'clock not a minute later every single day Mm -hmm. and i do not operate like that where i'm just like that just seems a little bit arbitrary like of course i would try but if something happened like if 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 i stopped somebody and we were having a conversation then a person is going to dominate the clock more you know what i mean like i just think differently in that you know in that way um, but I realized as we were having lunch for like, like for the first time, like it was significant for me to see like 
that's how you show love is in your like your stickler approach, uh-huh. which sounds I shouldn't use that, but right. that's what I used to see. I was like, you're yeah, such yeah. a stickler. But I was like, oh, that you are showing such a high value and reverence for God in the way that you are so strict in, in what you're doing. And I said to him, I was like, that's actually admirable. Mm-hmm. That's how someone's showing love. If it's their expression of love, then I think it's beautiful. If it's, oh, God gets mad at you if you don't, or I'm scared if I don't. Or an or expression like, of judgment on right, others. Like, like, yeah. yeah. Or like, um, I'll be in trouble if I don't do this. Or I, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. Or I, if I find some sort of like higher value in myself because I do it better than other people, I was like, mm-hmm. then I think it's dangerous. Yeah, it's dangerous. But if you are doing that as an expression of like, this is how I show devotion. Yeah. Because that's sincerely when he was talking, I was right. like, I used to just think people like you were a little bit, I don't know the nice way to say, um, <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, we, we get it. Stickler. We get it. Yeah. Gonna, like, I was like, um, and now I'm seeing like, oh, there's love. Yeah underneath that and a lot of it right and shame on me for you know thinking i was better than you and you were better than yeah. me in our approaches to how we worship and and i think that's beautiful about god that he can relate to us in so many different ways and we can relate to him in so many different ways and so let us worship how where or what we may even within our own faith tradition i think yeah, yeah that's powerful um, so that's maybe a good transition to the, you know, uh, come follow me and you, you got a very popular YouTube channel. Don't miss this with Emily Bill Freeman that, uh, I think every Latter-day Saint is aware of, I'm sure. And, no. and subscribe, <laughs> yeah, right? but, uh, um, and this concept of come follow me, and this is something I've really wrestled with personally. And, um, uh, as you know, come follow me has been more established where, it went from, you know, obviously we were given the inspiration, which is phenomenal, like a more focus at home, you know, home focused mm-hmm. church and having these remarkable experiences. Us as human beings, we sort of mess things up or we, we, we try, I don't know how to, how to say, it, but us as members of the church, we sometimes think, well, I, I don't know what to do. So what I'm going to do is, oh, look, there's Dave Butler on YouTube. Hey kids, sit down, play. Okay. I'm good. Right. And I don't know. And and I don't, I know this is like some indictment of what you're doing, but I don't think you intended it to be like, okay, instead of going to Sunday school, watch us. You, you intended it more of a supplemental thing, but, and now there's more of these channels popping up and everybody has their, their guy or gal or whatever that they, they watched it to, you know, quote unquote supplement their, their study. But it's so easy to be like, I don't know how to have these conversations with my kids and Dave Butler, Emily, they're so good at what they do. Let's just do that. Like how, and, and so I've really struggled to fit, try to establish this without falling into like, well, kids, this is what we do. This is the program and everybody sit down and open a verse or watch this or what, what general guidance would you have as far as finding more grace in this process of, of come follow me? Um, well, actually for the first time, as we're, as you were just talking, um, this thought occurred to me that First of all, I want to get rid of calling it a program. Uh-huh. Um, if we called it a resource instead of a program, mm. that would be step one to making it a lot more powerful. And the name of it is Come Follow Me. So the name of it tells you its purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is a one more resource, one more on-ramp to coming unto Christ and learning to be a disciple of him and and 
if if somebody just took that approach and then and and went from there, I think it could instead of being stressed out about am I doing this right? Like when somebody asks, "Am I doing this right?" <laughs> like I'm like, I think you're missing. Yeah, red flag. Yeah, you're missing. Trying to reevaluate. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying you're do like that. You're wrong, or there's something wrong with you. I'm just saying like, oh, it's a red flag to me because I'm like, I bet you're you're so stressed about it, and I don't think you ought to be. I think you ought to feel like it's important, like. Stress is an indication of that you actually care uh-huh. and that's good. Like, I'm glad that you're wrestling with it and I'm glad that you care because I think you, I think that's fantastic for somebody. And I, cause I do the same, you know, but, um, if you're stressed about, I might be doing this wrong or right. I think that's the wrong thing to like care about. Yeah. And I think you ought to care about like, are we meeting the mark as a family and what's the mark, you know? And it's like, oh, we are trying to do something to come under Christ, to learn of him more, to love him more. And so Jenny and I, like, and we keep switching and changing, but like we have our purpose, which is our time together in scripture is going to be to love God and love each other more. And that's the mark that we're going to like, yeah, that we're going to hit. And so we designed our own like way of doing it. Um for that meets like our family's yeah. needs. So for example, let me just give you an example and then I'll tell you where we've changed it is we've like thought, okay, let's, uh, we're going to take just one verse out of the chapter. That's all, all we're going to do. And we're going to talk about it. We're just going to have a conversation about that one verse. So I'm going to pick a good one mm-hmm. because like, you know, it's got to be one that's can create a conversation, Yeah, you know, because we were reading through like a whole chapter and everyone left mad and dumber <laughs> or whatever, you know, and it just was like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do this. Yeah. It's not even it's not we're not loving God more at the end, and we don't love each other mm-hmm. at the end. So it's like we're missing our, our mark, you know? And so for the age of our kids, we did that. And then and then it, it's fantastic. And then we kind of noticed we were doing like a big family family, family home evening, like extended. And our kids didn't know any of like the stories. Uh-huh. And I want them to know the stories because like, that's a way that you can remember principles. Like storytelling is so important. So now Jenny and I have started like, oh, we better adjust it a little bit because I actually want them to know the stories because the stories are going to help them love. God. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it all matches up to that, to that mark. But I just think if some, you just got to start with like, what are we, what are we trying to do? Yeah. You know, and implement it. Yeah. And it takes planning. Like it, it takes a little bit of effort for it to be effective. I think like we have to sit down at the beginning of the week and say like, okay, what are we going to do on each of the days? And like, like it just, it just, sure. We can just like plop down and like open the book up and like, let's just see. And, and that's great. Like, I'm not against that, but it's just like, oh, it just wouldn't be what we were trying to do with it. And so we want to be a little bit more. Yeah, and it goes back to your with y- your earlier principle of creating a worship team in your ward. We're essentially doing that at home, saying, "All right, team, you are the worship team of of this home." And uh, what's this look like? What's this come follow me? Come follow me. Look like to you? And we have this book, these resources, and I love that that using that term. We have these resources. What do you want to do? How can we come follow Christ? Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. And, and and then now we've got this new idea where it's like we've got a fifteen year old, and a thirteen year old, and eleven year old you know, who I'm trying to emphasize their own personal study of the scriptures right now. 
And so once summer's done, because nobody wants to do anything in the summer, right? Um, <laughs> second summer, once second summer's done, like we've, Jenny and I have talked about, like, let's give them a day where they are the ones who pick the verse and say, like, yeah. this, this was really significant to me when I, when I read, you know, and it's just, anyways, yeah. it takes more planning and, but yeah, for, for me personally, like sometimes I fall into this trap where I'd feel like come follow me is like homework. You know, it's like, okay, this chap, this week we're doing these, these chapters and uh, I mean, you make time for homework, you know, and I sit down sometimes and I kind of get in that trap of like going through the motions or, um, and I'm sort of on this kick right now where I completely refuse to believe that God has ever disappointed in me. It just is not helpful to my Amen. spiritual yeah. progress. Um, sure. Maybe if I went and murdered a bunch of people, yeah, then maybe there'd be some disappointment there, but, but when I am not doing it the right way, there's no disappointment there. It's helped me to sort of step back and be like, you know, I'm just here. I haven't had like, you know, I've had those moments where I, I sit down with scriptures and I'm like, I'm making connections and hold oh, this Hebrew word and oh, Latin, whoa, great. And over in this reference, right. And it's like so spiritually like uh, uplifting and yeah, 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 invigorating. Yeah. And there's other times where it's like, it's almost like God is just saying like, would you just take your nose out of the book for a minute? Just be with me for a mm -hmm. minute, you know? Mm -hmm. And and just to be okay with that. And, mm. and and sometimes several weeks go by and people are like, oh, you know, we're on this story. And I'm like, wait, what story are we on? Like, I, I haven't even looked at the book for three weeks. Mm. But in my heart, I feel like, you know, that's okay. Like, I just I want made, you here. I made a me. connection with God, right. you know? Yeah. yeah. We have got some sort of bizarre culture, and maybe it's a culture that exists in other faiths as well. Or I've been thinking recently about, like, manifest itself really strong in missionaries, you know, mm -hmm. that if a missionary goes and serves for three months and comes home, mm -hmm. for some reason that's shameful. Right. Something to them. happened. Like what? Yeah. But I'm like, stop. Erase everything you know about the missionary program. <laughs> and what if you like met this kid and you found out that he left for three months to go try and increase faith in God in, in some other place? Mm -hmm. Like be like so proud of that kid. You'd be like, that's awesome. You really gave up three months of your life. Mm -hmm. You gave up two weeks of your life to go do something like that. That's amazing. You know, but, all, but for some reason, we've got this bizarre culture of like, if you didn't hit the, the standard is supposed to be that that's a disappointment, you know? Yeah. And I love what you're saying about that. It's like, I don't think God ever gets disappointed in what we haven't done. I think he's just thrilled with anything that we are doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, and it's, it's just weird to think that what if somebody serves for a year for the rest of their life, they'll feel like how disappointing is like erase that. I want you to know how thrilled God is and the rest of us are that you served for a year. Like that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah that's powerful. You know? And this is good. Uh, segue into your style of teaching where you always, you're always coming from the point of grace. And there's even been moments where I've been watching you and Emily on, on YouTube and, and I'll pause it and I'll turn to my wife and see, I say, do you see how he taught that right there? Like he taught that from grace where it, so often I hear these um, phrases in our culture and a sacrament of like, are we really considering the importance of the temple? Are we really making it a priority in our life? Are we really praying with fervor and you know where it's projecting this like oh yeah <clears throat> that's right you know i'm really not i'm not measuring up 
thank you for the reminder, you know, but the way you, you position things, I'm just curious to explore this and maybe help us understand where uh, we as leaders can come from this position of grace of just reminding through any gospel principle, any gospel story, look at this grace. Like he's, he's a savior after his people, not out mm-hmm. of after his programs. Any thoughts or instruction you could give us there? Oh, thoughts, not instruction. Um, <laughs> because I just think that there's value in, again, when somebody stands up at the pulpit to do that, my assumption is that it's being done from a place of right. love for God. And, you know, and it's like, oh, that's fantastic. But I just don't, I feel like people who feel loved, love well. Mm. And I just think the heart and soul of the gospel of Christ is for God so loved the world that he sent his son. Like, I, I feel like that is, I I just don't agree with this idea of like some like methods of teaching, like just seem to be based off of fear, you know? And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I just don't think that's a good idea. It's like, we better not teach grace or the teenagers might send their life away. And I, and I want to say, when has that ever worked? And I understand that as parents and leaders, we love like our kids so much that we will go to a place of fear to protect them. Mm-hmm. Like I really will scare the hell right out of you. Like <laughs> right. I mean that like in yeah. like a, like I'm a, yeah. so heaven can come in. Like because I'm so afraid and I'm just like that place doesn't seem to be a place of and I'm saying this as a parent of a 15 year old yeah. where I am tempted on the daily like you've gone to battle. Right? I I will scare you. You know, like I can see how tempting it is to tell you like there are punishments and there are, you know, and I'm just like, that just doesn't seem to motivate people ever. Mm-hmm. Um, not the way love can, not the way, not the way a, a God that's bigger than that can, not the way that, that grace can. Like, I love when John says, we love him because he first loved us. Like parents that way. Um, the Ten Commandments start with this. Before commandment number one, he says, you remember first, I'm the God that brought you out of Egypt. Remember, I delivered you first. Now, do you want to live this fulfilling life? Let me show you how, you know, yeah. instead of you better do A, B and C, or you'll never make it. Or it just, that just, that kind of approach is, and it can be painted all sorts of different ways, you know, but I just actually believe that we are like you said god's not disappointed in us that he loves is there's a place for one thing i learned one time is um salvation was won by the father and the son on the cross like that was their work it's discipleship that requires my heart might mind and strength and when i confuse the two i think it can be frustrating and totally burdensome so when you confuse the two as far as salvation sal- and discipleship. Oh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, like it's not our job to, to do the salvation. Yeah, right. Thing. To save that, that's myself. Done. Yeah. Right. But do I want to put my hands, my heart and life into God's hands and be his disciple? Yes. Do I want him to transform me in, into someone better? Yes. Then he's like, then I'll show you how. And it requires sacrifice and it requires like hard things and it requires trust and it requires, and it's like, Okay, okay, but that's not a journey towards winning his favor. And if it's a journey to winning his favor, 
then I think is when it becomes like, like, oh, like overwhelming and, and impossible. Like, and, I mean, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I was like, what if you just went into it knowing like God already loves you? You're like, he already is into you. He already like has proven his love to you. He already like, then all of a sudden I'm like, I want to follow a God like that. Yeah. Every week, I feel like that's what the sacrament says. Here's the story. The story of redemption is being acted out again. The crucifixion is being reenacted every single week. Now I get to go into my week knowing that God is for me that he loves me and and it like now I obey because he won me over. I want to follow that yeah. God. I want to put my life There's into, no fear there. into his it's hands. All love, yeah, yeah, right. That just seems to like be a, a I mean it's how I see the world number 1. I don't feel like I wake up in the morning and have to readjust, you know, my thinking to that. It's just kind of how I see things yeah. and, and I feel like I see that happening in, in scripture also. Like I was like, that seems to be how he parents, you know, yeah. that's how like, and, and I'm not, I'm not, no, like as I go and I completely agree with you, but as I go down this path with some people, they turn to me and say, I get, I get what you're saying. However, let me show you a few scriptures. How sore, you know, not of the, the punishment that will come to you, right? Like they can oftentimes point out scriptures that seem like God seems pretty disappointed there. And he seems pretty angry there. And so what, what about that? So then we get in our modes of bishop or parent and we think, well, I've got to, sometimes I have to bring down the hammer and I've got to, you know, inject fear into them so that they are back on the salvation path. Um, you know, so, so how do you balance that or how do you get through that? Well, I think like in our Come Follow Me lesson coming up, right, or, or in the Book of Mormon, we're going to study where Alma talks to his son, Corianton, and he says to him in, in the verse, he says this, I would not dwell upon your crimes to harrow up your soul if it were not for your good. But what he's doing is he is teaching him it's not a fear of God, it's a fear of sin. Mm. And that's the difference is sometimes we might take an approach of teaching someone to be afraid of God's punishment. And God's punishment is not inflicted by God. That's the way it's mm. worded in Scripture. Um, but it's it's like the punishment is inflicted naturally by the law. Um, does God want us to fear sin? Yes. Should we ever fear God, like afraid of God? Not like the fear, the way the Old Testament uses it, scripture, right, right, like yeah. respect and love and reverence. Yeah. But um, there is the difference. Like there is a place for understanding the consequence of justice, uh, you know, just like meaning like that type of justice, like that the law will inflict its punishment. Yeah. Like, but it's not God who's doing it. Right. Right. It's just people are being turned over to the natural consequences of sin. Like the natural consequence of sin is entropy, it's chaos, it's death. You should fear those things, right? They mm -hmm. are scary. They, they, they will bring destruction to you. But God's not inflicting it. Mm. He's the rescuer. Right from the beginning moment of Scripture, the beginning story of Scripture is Adam and Eve disobeying God. I'm talking about it the way it's told as a metaphor, not yeah. like what the actual history is. Right. So before okay. someone says, like sends an email and says, actually <laughs> Eve made a wise choice. The way it's told in Genesis is as a, like a metaphor story. Uh -huh. um, they eat the forbidden fruit 
and they run and they hide. And my question is, why are you running and hiding? And it's because someone has put an idea in their mind about God that makes them think he's the kind of person they would want to run and hide from. Mm. So what did the devil teach you about him that makes you think you would want to run and hide from the only one who can rescue you and the only one who can save you? There are consequences to eating that fruit. There are consequences to sin. But like God is a savior and a rescuer, not an inflictor of those things. Mm. And I think that would that would be the difference. That's powerful. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, sometimes you do have to, you know, with your son or with a, a youth in the ward or a couple in the ward, you have to have a real conversation about sin and there's consequences to the path you're going down. And we want, you know, we always love you here and the savior will always be battling for your heart. He's always after you. But it's it cannot be me versus you and God versus you. Right. Yeah. Right? Like if if you have somebody who has a problem with pornography, that will degrade and destroy their soul. It will lead to death. Right. You know, it does. And it leads to the death of society and the death to like um um self-esteem and respect, you know? Like it leads to that. It leads to the death of love. Someone should be really nervous and worried about where that's going to lead, mm-hmm. but never worried and nervous about God. Yeah, and, and turning to God for help from that sin. Right. right, yeah. That you can go to him with it, and he doesn't, as like Elder Renland said a couple of years, he doesn't recoil yeah. when he sees you come to him. Like he doesn't like see the mess you're in and, ooh, what have you done? You know, yeah. like never. Yeah. But... From day one, from day one, we've been thinking that. And wow. it that's our common, that's our biggest wedge in our relationship with God, I think. Yeah. Is it roots, it's has its root in that. So awesome. Well, we've covered some good things. And uh <laughs> man, uh any anything we haven't touched on as far as you know, the leadership and things that you would want to mention before we wrap up. Oh man, no, I d I didn't even have anything, <laughs> you know, that I would I really don't feel like I'm um I, I, I just born and, and bred thinking that um, leadership is, is just love. We've got like an organization and a hierarchy or whatever in the church. And sometimes that is just that can become such a stumbling block to people when they, you know, when they see it. Like, how come that person's in that position or that person's in that position? And almost like someone can think God's got a good old boys club or, or mm-hmm. something like that. And I just, I, I, I just want to like remind everybody that like the, God's government is a family, you know? Yeah. Like, and for practical reasons, sometimes there's organizational, you know, structure scaffolding is yeah yeah but it's like it honestly is like we are a family yeah you know we are a family that's divided into families you know what i mean yeah and it's like if someone can see that vision of leadership um then i I think that would be so valuable yeah you know to people to, to be able to you know to see that and but no i i think we're all just figuring this out together like a family does yeah you know right so if people do want to uh, l- learn more about you your uh, what you're doing with emily bell freeman and and your books and whatnot where would they go to find more about dave butler 
Oh, um, nowhere. You don't want to, but if you did, um, <laughs> our, our YouTube channel is called Don't Miss This. And I should say something about that, you know, where sure. I hope everybody would realize that like, oh, we see ourselves just as a another resource. Right. You know, it's like, hey, here are some thoughts. Let's get into the scriptures. And what I found is that's been the most beneficial thing, I think, with that YouTube channel. And it's the reason we keep doing it. Yeah. Because it's, I just, we just filmed two more yesterday and it is a pain in the rear. You know, it takes so much Believe time. Me, I know. Right? Yeah. 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 Here we are doing that, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's just like, um, like, I just think it's fantastic for, for people to have a, um, have a chance to get in their scriptures again. And people will stop us and they'll say like, oh, you have just changed my life. And I want to say, oh, no, God did. And you got into the scriptures yeah. and started spending time with him, like you were saying. And, right. and we just became an on-ramp into that. And that's what the Come Follow Me resource can be is an on-ramp. And that's what Sunday School can be is an on-ramp. And it's just on-ramp into relationship with with God. And, and I think that that's, um, that's its value and purpose and people can use it however they want. I don't think that, you know, yeah, they should, you know, just whatever you, well, great. If it helps. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why are we sad? <laughs> if it like, makes you fall asleep at night. Great. Yeah, exactly. Do that, right? <laughs> exactly. So that's called don't miss this. And, um, then you have I, some, some great books that, uh, desert book that yeah. I've, I've read and, Oh, and, thank you. And thank I sense you. a trilogy coming on here, but yeah, uh, I just got the third one just, uh, cool. in the mail yesterday. And you so focused on, on the, the Trinity, right? The God, the father, the, the savior. Son, and, and then now the spirit is, oh, cool. is coming out. And then Instagram, our Instagram, we have a don't miss this Instagram. And then Mr. Dave Butler's mine. And you're a good follow because you're real. It's just like, Oh, you're nice. <laughs> here I am with my kids. I'm, I'm normal. You know, but, uh, so, uh, last question I have for you is you reflect back, uh, particularly in your in your roles as a leader at times as, as a bishop and and others uh, that role as a leader how has that made you a better follower or a disciple of Jesus Christ um, one thing that I did love about um, serving as a as a leader was the chance to just spend time with um, people right and and it just emphasized even more strongly that like, love God, love people. Like that's just, that's what it's all about. Right. Is, yeah. is that, and it is, is just so inspiring, um, to have a chance to like hear people's faith questions, to learn more about their faith story, to see God, um, rescuing people. Like it just was, uh, I, I just got more, uh, opportunities to have a front row seat in watching God intervene and move into people's stories. And uh, that was one of the best parts about that particular role. But I, I just feel like that gets to be everybody's experience, you know, wherever it is that they're serving in the church. And particularly, like I've just always seen, I've been called to help take the story of redemption to the world and to love people really well. Like, that's what I feel like I've been called to do. I've got different assignments that fall under that bigger umbrella. And some of those have been like within the church, you know, but I feel like it can just be everybody's experience to take that front row seat. But um, seeing that has made me love God even more. And that's made me a better disciple to just see like, oh, God really is bigger than I ever thought he was. And he really does love people as deeply as I've always thought he did. And those experiences 
you know, seeing that's made me just love him even more. That concludes my interview with Dave Butler. Isn't he fun, guys? I mean, get yourself a leadership style like Dave Butler has a leadership style. He's just such a real person. And even walking out, like by the time, uh, you know, he showed me out of the the building, uh, I just felt like we were old friends. And I'm looking forward to future... um, future interactions with him and you're probably all wondering well what about emily bell freeman like his his sidekick or i think i think dave is the sidekick and emily emily is the is the superhero but i've been in in search of 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 her of reaching out sending her messages through instagram um we'll track her down and get her on here at some point if you know her have a connection or want to pester her kindly with a few email messages saying hey you got to do the leading saints podcast kurt is waiting i'd love to do it so she's coming up and hopefully uh, sooner than later in on the podcast feed you'll hear uh, an interview with emily as well where we'll discuss similar concepts but also her personal experience in leadership it'll be fun to do so if you have any other suggestions of individuals I should reach out to, connect with, interview, uh, I would love to hear it. Go to leadingsaints.com contact. And if you don't have a person to recommend, would you just go there and tell me your favorite episode? Like, I just love getting the emails where people say, man, I've listened to this particular episode four times and I love it, right? That's good feedback and something that helps me realize, hmm, maybe I should have that person on again, or hmm, maybe we should have that person write an article or whatever it is. Like it just good feedback is really awesome. And I'm addicted to email. I know I need to get over it, but I'd love to see your email come through. And remember, Text the word LEAD to 474747 to gain access to remarkable interviews in the Questioning Saints Library so that you are better prepared to minister to those who've begun to question their faith. All right, we'll end this episode with a a quick uh, announcement, a quick uh, uh, for your information. Uh, I'm here with Anthony Sweat. How are you, Anthony? So good, Kurt. Thanks so much for having me on. Great to be with you and your listeners. Well, and if people are listening and haven't heard some of the past uh, interviews we've done, definitely go to your search bar or scroll through your podcasting app. And uh, there's some good stuff there that uh, Professor Sweat has uh, has uh, presented. So um, and for people who aren't familiar with you, uh, give us give us your 411 here. Uh, 411 is I'm, uh, I'm a huge fan of Kurt Frankham and uh, <laughs> not... I, I am a huge fan and um, love what you're doing. And I'm a religion professor uh, in church history and doctrine at BYU. Awesome. Author, and, writer, painter. Yeah, yeah. that's me. And many people, whenever I do videos, you'll see much of uh, Anthony's art behind me. Uh, I, I appreciate his style and uh, his approach to paint the nuances in church history and, and, uh, capture the real uh, leadership faces of the, those in the restoration. They, they weren't all just smiling and, and looking for the next visitation of the angel. There was some uh, heartache in there. Yeah, there was some heartache. There, there were some wrinkles and gray hairs, that's for sure. Yep, for sure. So uh, you may not know this, Anthony, but you stole one of my ideas, okay? Oh, I did? What's that? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> what happened is uh, I, I remember because I have opportunity to go down to BYU and interview some of these professors like yourself, uh, Brad Wilcox, you know, John Hilton. And, and I'm like, man, like these guys are just sitting on some remarkable information and they're going out, they're doing studies like there needs to be like a BYU professor podcast. And yeah. lo and behold, the inspiration settled upon your mind and uh, oh, you created it. I don't get any credit. I'm just teasing, of course. But, we'll let you take the credit for it, brother. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you've uh, created this uh, this podcast called Why Religion, and maybe just introduce us uh, maybe the inception of it, how it came to be, and then what it is you cover. Yeah, thank you. The, the inception was exactly like what you said. Every year, religion professors at BYU, you know, we produce a few hundred research publications every year that often deal with things uh, pertaining to the church. And what I found in being a religion professor is, number one, the things that my colleagues produce are fascinating, and they're so beneficial. But the second thing I was finding was these are being pr published in, you know, sometimes they're published in books that the common person reads, but most often they're being published in various academic journals. And a lot of average Latter-day Saints never heard this wonderful research that was going on. And I just thought, you know, what better thing to do than to use one of the new mediums of podcasts to bring this fascinating, you know, gospel-centered research that's being done by BYU religion professors and package it in a way that the everyday Latter-day Saint can benefit from this research that's being done. Yeah, because, I mean, if you were to ask me, I'm just sort of this lay member that doesn't understand the dynamics of being a professor, especially a religion professor at BYU. I just assume, yeah, you do, you have your uh, lesson plans for teaching the restoration, uh, you know, every semester, and you go through it, you crack papers, and then you go home and enjoy yeah. life. But there's a lot of uh, research that goes into these where they're publishing papers that are quite fascinating on new angles of the gospel that we may not yeah. have considered. Well, so, some people don't know that, you know, part of being a professor is you have a research requirement uh, to get tenure or to be promoted. You have to research and publish. Hmm. And sometimes people do know that, like, or they're like, oh, I know that uh, science professors or maybe right. business professors do that. I didn't know religion professors do that. And I commonly would get asked, so what kind of things do you guys research and write on? And I would be like, oh, if you could just see the fabulous, fabulous studies that are done. Um, so that was the point yeah. of this podcast is to say, let me help you start to see and learn from some of these fabulous studies being done. Yeah. And like, for example, I love the interview with uh, John Hilton about the atoning crucifixion, just talking about the dynamic or the dichotomy that we have in the church where we sort of put the atonement, you know, quote, the atonement that the suffering of Christ happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we sort of dismiss yeah. the cross and, and uh, yeah. Golgotha, right? But just to hear how much uh, the the cross and is emphasized in, in relation to the atonement in the scriptures, like I had no idea, right? And uh, yeah. just things that, like, insights like that. that. That was one of our first episodes was John Hilton's research on how has the cross been used in scripture, in, in our restoration scripture, uh, meaning the crucifixion as part of the atonement of Jesus Christ, and how have church leaders used the cross and where has this idea developed that Latter-day Saints don't embrace the cross? Like that, that episode's fascinating Yeah, to, really to, to hear his research on that. G give me a summary of just some of your other favorite episodes that have come through. Or... Yeah, like uh, Steve Harper's episode. Uh, so we're just getting rolling this year. We've, we've put out eight episodes so far. Uh, Steve Harper's episode on how Joseph Smith remembered the first vision and how the first vision became entrenched as this real foundational event is fascinating. Mm -hmm. He's one of the, the leading scholars on the history of the first vision. Uh, Barbara Morgan Gardner's research on women and priesthood is fascinating. Uh, we did an episode with her. Um, Justin Dyer's, like one of the episodes we did, Justin Dyer is a professor and he specializes in family research. And he and a number of his colleagues have gotten into uh, some of the narrative on like 
uh, youth, Latter-day Saint youth and suicidality, including mm -hmm. LGBTQ youth. And sometimes there's this narrative of uh, being a member of the church increases depression and anxiety. And if you're LGBTQ and a member of the church, it increases your suicidality. And their research has found the exact opposite. Hmm. So there's an episode with him and, uh, on what their research is finding on depression, anxiety, and youth, uh, suicidality, LGBTQ. That's a fascinating episode to listen to. Yeah. And one of my favorites was with Eric Huntsman, as far as becoming beloved disciples, he's done uh, a lot of research on the book of John and yeah. gospel of John. And just, you know, the, the perspective he puts it in just makes it become so real. You know, I've yeah. recently enjoyed, uh, you know, watching this TV series, the chosen where they sort of dramatize. I'm loving that Testament, series too. Right. And, and, and that's sort of how the, the gospel of John is. It really makes it a little more real. And, and I've never appreciated that as much after hearing yeah. his perspective. Yeah. So Eric Huntsman's a new Testament scholar trained in classical Greek. And he kind of says, let's break down and look at the gospel of John from a character development standpoint and why John purposely chose these different characters to show how Jesus is bringing people from different backgrounds into his gospel. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so those are the type, that's the type of research that religion professors do. Some of it's doctrinal, some of it's cultural, some of it's uh, sociological, some of it's uh, scriptural history or Latter-day Saint history. We're trying to bring all those in the, in the short, 30 to 40 minute podcast uh, segments of their studies. Yeah. And I just feel like from the leadership perspective, this type of resource is so helpful because, you know, let's say you are in a, in a Sunday school class and suddenly you hear the typical narrative of, you know, the atonement in the garden of Gethsemane and, and which is fine. We don't want to dismiss that. There obviously something special happened there, but you could maybe raise your hand and say, Hey, I've, I've been, uh, become familiar with some research that's been done about the crucifixion and and let's talk about that let's look at some exactly. scriptures there right and and you really bring some depth to some of these discussions we have at church exactly that that's you know for your audience uh for you know those who are leaders in the church um and listening to your podcast that's exactly what i hope they could benefit from the why religion podcast is to say oh you know maybe it's not a pressing issue right now but you just never know when something might come up and you could say, you know, I, I've listened to a podcast that talks about some research on women and priesthood or on the, the cross and the crucifixion or about suicidality or about the first vision. And, and it could just help, you know, one of the benefits of research is it helps us better understand and clarify and, and seek out truth. So it can just help you as a leader uh, uh, call upon that on those subjects. You just never know when it might come up. Yeah. You know, early on with leading saints, I just felt this like responsibility to help leaders out with some of these questions like, you know, Joseph Smith's polygamy or Book of Mormon DNA, you know, these various things. And so I'd go out and I'd find these scholars and try and interview them. But at the end of the day, like, I'm so glad others, uh, more qualified podcasts are popping up like yours because I, I sort of want to focus in on the leadership principles and things. I mean, these things are important for leaders to understand, but yeah. I don't, I don't want to carry all that, that burden. So I'm glad others are, are in the game doing it. Yeah. Well, we, we hope, we hope that we can help uh, the leaders in that regard and, and yeah. have your podcast um, do all the great good it's doing helping people be effective leaders with leadership principles and then maybe why religion, you can pop over there and, and get some research perspective on things. Uh, cool on some of these subjects as well. 
So uh, obviously, if they're listening to this uh, podcast on a podcasting app, they can just search Why Religion. It's like the letter Y, right? Letter Y, yep. Letter Y, Religion. Um, they can also search BYU Religion. It'll pop up as well. Okay. Or they can just go to whyreligion.byu.edu. Um, that's our website. It'll pull up. Perfect. Wherever right. podcasts are produced, wherever you find your podcast. Or, that's right. Cool. Well, thanks, Anthony, and uh, keep up the good work, and we'll look forward to our uh, next interview on on the Leading Saints podcast. Thank you so much, Kurt. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness, the loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.